Awesome. On that note, I just want to... Sorry, I'm used to holding the microphone really close. Um, I just, we just want to thank you guys as well for anyone who sponsored kids to come on youth camp this year. Every year, this is such a generous church. Um, I love this church. But um, so many kids... Um, we're able to get to that camp because of the sacrifice of people in this congregation. And so I just want to thank you on behalf of those kids that were able to go um, through you guys. It was awesome. This, this year's camp, I felt a little bit different coming home. Not that other years have been bad or anything, but I really felt that this year when we came home, that the youth came home with a real seal over what happened and um, with a real solid foundation that we're now going to build upon. It wasn't just a peak in a series of highs and lows. And it's really exciting to me because I feel like um, each, each week um, things are going to get better. Each week God has more for us. Each week um, we're going to see kids saved. And it was just a real um, blanket seal over each of those kids um, that stops them from retreating and then rising again, but to build on what they've established. And it's so exciting. And I just want to share a couple of um, really quick thoughts with you guys this morning. Um, Basically, that there is more. There is more. We're at such an exciting time in this church, and we're kind of we've been talking about it for a while. But we're kind of standing on this platform in between um, our old ways and what's to come, and our, and our new ways. And I just want to encourage you guys: let's go full, let's go all the way in, a hundred percent. That there is so much more for us. Having an encounter with Jesus isn't just for the young people of this church. It's not just for a special event. It's not just for a revival week. It's not just for when we have guest ministry but every week there is something that Jesus has for each and every one of us. It's not just for our young people. It's not just for our kids. It's for every person that comes into this house. Um, One thing that Pastor Ryan spoke in the very first night, um, he said that your expectation with God will equal your experience. With God, we don't have to be afraid to to expect... um, thinking that we're going to come home disappointed but with God it twists around and with God our expectation equals our experience and when we experience we experience greater from God when we expect that he can do even greater than we've seen before it's pretty straightforward but we expect more and we experience more of him when we expect more from him Um, I love Ephesians 3 verse 20 says now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more infinitely more than what we might ask or think Ecclesiastes 7 verse 10 it says I love it it says so straightforward don't long for the good old days there is no wisdom in that that's the verse. There's, you, know, you don't have to read into that too much. Don't long for the good old days. That's not wise. Our time is now. Now is the best season that this church has seen. Now is the beginning of greater things that we're going to see in this church. God is doing something new and something fresh in, in every area of this church, I really believe. My um, message this morning is called It's Time. It's time. And it's what I spoke um, partly the first night of youth. It's our, our theme for youth for the whole year is it's time. Um, you guys might see us walking around with, on, uh, with our youth jumpers. The band was um, decked out in them all this morning. Um, and on the back of those jumpers, we put our key verse for the year because um, we're really believing that that's what God wants to speak to us about. But Acts 2.17, I'm sure that many of us have heard it before. Acts 2.17 says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. It is God's desire to pour out his spirit upon us. 
That is what he wants. That is his plan. He's here. It's his desire to pour out his spirit upon us. And that includes everybody. Like I was saying before, not just the young, not just the old, not just the mature ones. Not, it includes the ones that don't even understand what we're saying yet. It's his desire to pour out his spirit upon all people. And through his Holy Spirit, I believe he wants to bring his church to life again. He wants to reignite the flame in the whole church not just the people that have gone away to camp and come back, but he wants to stir that flame in our whole church. Again, he is more than ready, but it's up to us. It's up to us to be in a position um, where we can receive him. Um, and there are things that we need to do to be able to experience the more that he has for us. There are a couple of things that we need to do to do. It's time now for us as a church to, to press in and to experience God and to be used by God on a new level. It's time for us to see more people saved and to see new people coming into this church. It's time for us to up our faith and to up our commitment for what he wants to do. It's time for us to start looking to the legacy that we're creating and building, not just living in this temporary, um, comfortable mindset anymore. It's time for us to invest in our relationships with people at a deeper level. It's time for the church to stand up and be a point of difference in Canberra. There's this, there are things that um, God has to do in, in us and there are things that we have to decide to do for us to be able to access his power in, in our lives. Um, I love reading about um, King David in the Bible. Um, he's one of my favorite people to learn from in the Bible. But um, I was reading this week about, so we know King David and he was one of the most amazing kings. He had his ups and downs. He struggled with sin. He, um, he had times where he was so close to God and times where sin had pulled him so far away. Um, he was entirely human, but he, at the end of the day, he was an amazing king and he was, he was appointed by God. But before all of that happened, before he was put in that position, there was this day where he, um, or a couple of days, there was this time where he was just a shepherd boy and he was out looking after his sheep. And we know the story that there was a lion and a bear that came along. And David was empowered and he ended up defeating that lion and that bear. We all know the story. Um, and it reminded me, like, like David, we have been through some amazing feats in this church. I'm sure on that day that David was like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe that I just did that. I just killed a lion. Did you see that? Like, where are my brothers at? Did they see that? That was amazing. Oh my goodness, I just killed a bear. Life cannot get any better than this. This is so good. I am so amazing. This is really good for my ego right now. I wonder, David would have felt those, maybe not the whole ego thing, but David would have felt like, this is amazing. This is so cool. How do we do this? And like that, we've had amazing feats in this church. We have an awesome building, right? We've been blessed in that area. We have amazing departments in this church. Alpha is going amazing. We're seeing people saved in Alpha. We um, are seeing kids baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, we have amazing things going on in this church. We have amazing worship at this church. We have amazing things. We have amazing teaching and, and pastors and preachers in this church. 
We have lots of things to be proud of, but like David, he didn't see the full picture, but he knew enough to keep moving forward. He knew enough that God wanted to do more, that that wasn't the end of it, that he couldn't just live on that story for the rest of his life about how amazing it was that he killed the lion and the bear. But there was so much more that he would, Goliath was coming and he didn't see that. He, Goliath was coming. He didn't realize at that time that he was going to be this king whose armies would defeat thousands of people. Can you imagine if he had just got hung up on that story in his life about the lion and the bear and that's where it had ended? See, there was so much more for David. We can't get hung up on those feats. Yes, it's important that we recognize what God has done in this church, but we can't get hung up on those things that we don't see what else is to come. To move into what God wants to do, we have to let go of the good things. We have to let go go, go of good things sometimes. God is always bigger. His plan is always bigger. There's always more that he wants to do. And there's always more that he wants to give us and teach us and, and tell us and impart to us. And the only thing that limits what he can do is us. That's the only thing that limits what he can do. We can't let the story of the bear and the lion be as good as it gets in this church. That's not enough for what God wants to do. Um, in Genesis 19, I'll just recap the story really quickly, but we know the story of Lot's wife, um, well, Lot and his wife. And um, basically, um, they're from Sodom, and Sodom is a place that's full of sin. And um, God sends two angels to come and destroy the town of Sodom. But Lot, Lot loves God, and um, so the angels, um, Lot invites them into his home, and then um, the next morning they tell him, you know, go and tell your family that this place is going to be destroyed. And so Lot um, goes and he tells his sons-in-law first, and they're like, that's ridiculous, you're silly, what are you talking about? And... Um, and so they decide to stay. And so he, um, he tells his family and whatnot. And it says that they hesitated and they stuck around. They, they didn't fully believe that that's what was going to happen. And the Bible says clearly that the angel seized them. He, literally, the angels took hold of their hands, of their arms, and dragged them out of that place. And on the way out, they said to them, they said to them, run Run towards Zohar, run towards Zohar and just this one thing, remember, don't look back to Sodom. And of course, we know what did Lot's wife do. She looked back towards Sodom. See, the angel presented them with two options. Um, they could either look forward and move forward or they could either look back and stay, and stay in the same place. It's impossible for us to move forward when we keep looking back. That's not an option. It's impossible for us to keep moving forward when we're looking back. You see, when we want to move into the more that God has for us, we have to let go of the bad things as well. We have to let go of the good things and we have to let go of the bad things. See, Lot and his wife, they were, in the end, they were physically obedient to what God had asked them to do. But God was way more concerned with the state of their heart and what their heart was fixed on. In that time, and Lot's wife, she was invested in the sin of Sodom, and she was focused on what she was supposed to be leaving behind for her own good, and she was focused on those things. He was God was trying to um, He was trying to save them. He was trying to give them a new life. He was trying to give them something greater. He was trying to protect them. He was trying to give them a second chance. But she got caught up in the sin, which turned her into a pillar of salt. And for us to move forward, we've got to let go 
of those things. And I'm not saying, you, you may think, oh, I'm a pretty good person. There's nothing really bad that I have to let go of. But we've got to let go of offense. We've got to let go of um, our sinful behavior and bad habits. We've got to let go of distractions. That's a big one. We've got to let go of distractions. We've got to let go of unforgiveness and resentment. Because that keeps us in the same place. And when we hold on to those things, we become unuseful to God, to the capacity that he wants to use us. See, there's a reason that as Christians, we are called followers of Jesus Christ. It's a verb. It's an action word. We're on the move. That's, that's the whole plan. Um, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is um, Matthew 4, verse 18, um, where Jesus calls his first disciples. I'm going to read it to you because I can't say it as well as the Bible does. Um, one day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, come and follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Other versions say they left their nets immediately and they followed him. A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too, and immediately they followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. They left their nets immediately and followed Jesus. They were so desperately hungry to do life with Jesus and to do life his way. They didn't want to stay in the comfort of their own boat and their own life. They saw that selling themselves out for a life with Jesus was worth it. That's what they wanted. Being sold out for Jesus was worth it. And on that first encounter, they realized, they had that revelation that Jesus was worth so much more than what they already had. And that with him, they would have a far greater life than they already knew. And some of us are the same. Some of us, Jesus is just calling out for us to come and follow him, to do life with him, to live in that close relationship with him. But we keep looking back to what life used to, used to be like. We keep looking back to those distractions. We keep looking back to that person that hurt us. We keep looking back to those things and we have stopped seeing life with Jesus as our most prized possession. And if we don't want to be people that are complacent and, and mediocre, if we want to see God move and his spirit move, then we need to learn what it is to be sold out for Jesus again. And we need to learn how to love him again in the way that he deserves. See, the thing that limits him is the quality of our love for him. The Bible tells us clearly that God is love. In um, 1 John 4, it says, Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Love is the center of everything. In Colossians 1.17, it says, He existed before anything else, and He holds all of creation together. God holds everything together. And if God is love, love is what he's created as the center of everything. The two greatest commandments that he gave us were to love God and to love each other. To love God first and foremost and then to love each other. 1 Corinthians 13, the whole chapter is called Love is the Greatest. Are you catching that message there that God values love? That love is what everything flows from. Everything that happens in our lives flows out of our love for him. And the kind of love that we give him is what determines everything else. Um, if I could grab one of the boys up on keys, that would be awesome. I challenged the youth on, on Friday night about what kind of love are we giving to Jesus? 
we're giving him our sometimes kind of love um, when it's convenient for us and when you don't have other things to worry about, when you have nothing better to do, is that when we give him our sometimes kind of love? Do we give him our needy love? Do we give him our love when we need reassurance that he, love, that he loves us? When things are going really badly, do we give him that kind of love and attention? Do we give him our casual love where there's lots of ups and downs? We're here, there, we're everywhere. Sometimes we love being in church. Sometimes we love, would rather be down at the coffee shop on a Sunday morning. Do we give him our casual love that requires no effort, no commitment? That's just it. Do we, do we give him our fake love where we come to church and we pretend that we love Jesus so much and, and we put on this act and we talk to people about how amazing Jesus is, but we don't really believe it because we don't really know him anymore. Do we give him our fake love? Do we give him our conditional love that comes from negotiations and bargains and God, if you just do this for me, then I might love you a little more. Do we give him our old love where we used to be so in love with Jesus, but we've got tired on things, we've got busy, we've got complacent and we just give him the bits that are left over. We do what we need to do. We, we come to church on a Sunday we come to youth, we go to connect group, we just do these things because it's what we do. We give him the leftover bits of our love. Do we give him our uncertain love that comes out of not really fully trusting how much he loves us and therefore not giving ourselves totally to him? See, those kinds of loves, they're not really love at all. They're not the kind of love that Jesus wants us to have in our relationship with him. They're not the kind of love that we're supposed to have for him. In Revelations 2, to the church of Ephesus, it says, I know all the things that you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say that they are apostles but are not. You have discovered that they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this one complaint against you. You do not love me or each other as you once did. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me. Turn back to me. So you can be doing all the right things. You can be ticking all the right boxes of Christianity, but not love Jesus in the way that we should. And the kind of love that changes things in our life is that first love kind of love. Can I, I'll tell you what first love looks like. It's that moment. It's that first moment when you realize that you can't live without Jesus and you wouldn't want to. I remember as an eight-year-old kid being in my bedroom one night and um, I shared a room with my older sister, Grace, and she would go to bed so late because she would be up on the top bunk. I was on the bottom bunk because I used to sleepwalk a lot. Um, but she was on the top bunk and she would go to bed really late because she'd be up doing her devotions and reading her Bible and, you know, doing all the things that you should. And one night I got curious about it and so I asked her, I was like, what are you doing? Like, why don't you ever go to sleep when I go to sleep? It's not fair. And she just started talking to me about what she was doing and about how she was just reading about Jesus and blah, blah, blah. I can't remember the exact words that she said. Um, and then I was like, okay, that sounds cool. Awesome. And so she was like, okay, cool. Um, and so she got down off her bunk and she went and got mum and dad and they came into my room and we just prayed and that was it. The rest is history. I've never looked back ever since. That's just how it happened for me. But I remember in that moment going to sleep after that, just feeling so excited I felt like I'd just seen the greatest thing that was ever about to happen in my life. 
like there was just such joy in that moment, that childlike first love kind of joy. It's those moments that God wants to remind us of in the way that we love Him every day. It's when you want nothing more than just to be in His company. It's when standing in church with the worship band up here worshipping, the most tragic thing would be for you to not be able to lift your hands. That's, the fir- that's first love kind of love. It's when you feel that closeness to Him like you've never felt before, that even when things are terrible, you know He's there and you feel His peace and you just feel that closeness to Him. That's a first love kind of love. It's when He takes that mess that was in your old life and He all of a sudden flips it around and makes it beautiful for you. It's that kind of revelation of His love. It's when you realise that you and Him are the best team and that you're capable of anything with His power. It's that kind of love. See, the first love kind of love is love that responds to His amazing love for us that led Him to the cross with the same level of passion. And I know that we will never be able to love Jesus as much as He loves us. That's impossible. That, but that just makes it more so that if I can't love Him the same amount as He loves me, then I'm going to give everything that I can. It's that same level of passion. He gave everything, so I'm going to give everything. I'm selling myself out. I'm following Jesus. That's it. We have to stop this pattern of just returning to our first love with Him. I sent the youth kids home on Friday night to write on their mirrors or on their walls, first love equals everyday love. It should be our everyday state to be that in love with Jesus. It shouldn't just be the kids at camp. It shouldn't just be when you get something prophesied over you, when we have a guest minister. It should be coming to church every single week expecting that Jesus is going to meet you and send you away with something new. It's everyday love. First love equals everyday love. And it's when our lives respect, reflect that first love of Jesus that things start to change in your lives, in your workplaces, for other people in your circles. That's when things start to change. You know, love changes things. I didn't ask permission to tell this story because I forgot, but I'm sure they'll be fine with it anyway. But um, Grace, um, when, so when she was younger, she's obviously married to Joel now and um, they've been married almost a year, but they've been together for like four years or something. But before all of that, Joel was new to church and he had just started hanging out with people a little bit and Grace was a little bit like, mm, and um, they decided to um, hang out at, after church with a bunch of the youth. And so some smart person was like, oh yeah, let's go rock climbing. And if you know Grace, she is terrified of heights. So she was all like, yes, let's go rock climbing. Awesome. But she went anyway. And Joel was in her attention, right? And she didn't want to be that scaredy cat person standing on the floor just belaying people. And so she wanted to impress this guy. And so she was like, I am climbing to the top of that rock wall. And so she climbed up that wall as scared as she was. She hit the bell and they brought her back down. And funny enough, when it comes around, time for Joel to propose, he takes her up the Sydney Harbour Bridge, go figure. (laughs) Um, But my point is, That love gives us courage to do the things that we wouldn't usually do. 
And when we love Jesus, we have courage to tell people about Jesus. When we love Jesus, we have the courage to overcome the disappointments and the hurts in our lives. When we love Jesus, we, we forgive like Jesus forgave. When we love Jesus, we can move forward. When we love Jesus, we can unashamedly praise and worship and lift our, and lift our hands. Love gives us joy. In 1 Peter 1 verse 8 to 9, it says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Like Libby's story, returning to that place of first love and finding joy. Again, for the first time, if you feel dead, if you feel dry, if you feel like you have nothing left to give to God, then that's for you this morning, to return to that place of first love. See, God will always be the same person that we fell in love with. God doesn't change. He's the same God yesterday, today, forever. The Bible tells us we never have any reason to be less in love with God. Our love for Him should only grow. Then why do we fall out of love, out of love with Jesus? Why do we become so mediocre and so stagnant in our love for him between big events? See, love, it is a feeling, but it is also a choice. It is a choice. Um, do, you felt like, do, you, do you think that Jesus felt like being crucified? I highly doubt it. We know that he didn't. He was sweating drops of blood, but yet he made the choice out of love for us. True love is when the love stays the same, even when the fuzzy feelings dissipate, even when the excitement dissipates, even that, that is when there is power and greatness in what God can do in us because of his love. I have um, a boyfriend in Sydney and I love him, but I definitely do not always feel all gushy and fuzzy. I am not a gushy person at all, at all. I just, I'm not like that. But still, we make the decision every day to love each other, right? You make the decision to spend time. You make the decision to keep working on things and to keep, to keep growing. We have to choose to actively love every day. You have to make the decision over and over and over to maintain that. And it's the same with God. We need to decide to love Him in the way that He deserves to be loved every day. Every day, we have to decide to love him in the way that he deserves. We have to decide that it's worth it to take off our cross and to die to ourselves and to die to our selfishness every day because he is worth it. And we have to decide not to let that first love kind of love turn into one of those other kind of loves. Um, actually, if the whole band could um, come up, I'll just wrap up. But imagine what would happen if you came to church every week with the expectation that God was going to do something in your life. Imagine if you got to know your Bible. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, brings truth, brings correction. Imagine what would happen if you spent that time getting to know your Bible. Imagine what would happen if you spent time with Jesus every day just praying for, praying for your workplace, praying for your unis, praying for people at school. Imagine what would happen if you let God's love change the way that you saw yourself and give you confidence to be able to do those things. What if your love for Jesus shone out of your face so brightly that people just couldn't help but see it? 
that you didn't have to make the effort to go and preach to people, but people would come to you asking you questions about Jesus. We've got to return to that place of first love first to be able to move forward into everything that he has for us every day. If everyone could just close their eyes and bow their heads for a minute. If you're here today and as I've been talking about Jesus and our love for Jesus, if you do not know him this morning and you would like to know him, then I want to give you that opportunity to make that decision today. So I'm just going to count down from three. And then if that's you, then I just want you to lift your hand. I'll acknowledge it and you can put it down again. It's the best decision you have ever you could ever make. As I said, I made that decision when I was eight years old and I've never looked back. Jesus is so worth it. Being in relationship with him is so worth it. In three, two, one. If that's you, just lift your hand. Thanks, mate. Just wait a second longer. Awesome. You guys can put your hands down. I'm just going to pray for these people. And then we'll move on. Lord God, I thank you for these people that have raised their hand this morning. Lord God, I thank you that you're at work in their lives, Father God. And I just pray today, Lord God, that you will just reveal your amazing love to them, Father God. That they would start that journey of knowing you, Father God. That you will equip them with the tools and the people to support them, Lord God. Um, in a direction that follows you, Father God. And I just thank you. We thank you for the decision that they've made today, Father God. I just pray that you'll sustain them for the rest of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Cool. We are just going to finish with a song this morning, but I want to challenge you. If that's you this morning, if you need to leave behind the good stuff, if you got caught up, if you need to leave behind the bad stuff, or if you want to just make that declaration that you're turning to your first love this morning, then we're just going to sing this chorus a couple of times. And I encourage you to just press in this morning. Just because it's the last song doesn't mean we have to just pretend like it never happened. This is your opportunity. The band's just going to lead us and then we'll dismiss the service.